Today is not going to be a song, but it's going to be something different. Because I know you've heard this voice before. It's the dreaded voiceover that you hear in just about every movie, trailer, in a time where people are doing things. There is a man or a woman who is different. They may have a dark past. They may have someone that they've lost. They may have a mission in life. And this is the trailer to get you to invest in that mission. And then we're going to show you a couple of scenes. And then something is probably going to explode. And then we are going to tell you to watch a movie and that my friends is how you cliche a preview oh dang (laughs) okay all right yes darling how was that man no songs today i thought i'd do something a little bit different all right cue that music That was okay. that was awesome. That was a really that was a good movie voice guy. Like you should do that if what? you ever you really should do radio in general, I think. You got the maybe like voices I should, for man. it. Yeah, maybe I should instead of getting knocked around a wrestling ring. Yeah, man, maybe I just chose the wrong thing to do. Maybe I did. <laughs> <laughs> it reminds me of the the honest trailers that they do. Like, yeah, I love those so much. They're so funny. Oh, man, those are great. Yeah. If you're a fan of 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 listening to this and you don't know what the honest trailers are, they are wonderful and they always are insightful and they're just so funny and entertaining to watch. And they just talk about directors. They talk about different movies and different. And actually they talk about a lot of movie tropes and stuff like that. So yeah, Mm -hmm. I'm with you on that. Heather highly recommend, uh, honest trailers. But in any event, hey, Cinefans, if you haven't figured it out by now, I am back. This is the Living Proof Justin Taylor, and I'm joined by Heather and unfortunately Sterling due to um, other commitments couldn't be with us today. And if you couldn't tell by my ravishing preview, we are going to be talking about cliches, movie tropes. Um, We're going to define them. We're going to tell you what they are. We're going to tell you some of the ones that we love, no matter how many times they happen in movies and TV. We're going to talk about the ones we hate and honestly probably need to go away. So, Hollywood, I hope you're listening because we're going to give you the ones that uh, you definitely need to get rid of. And then we got a great fan response whenever we um, asked our Cine fans about what are some tropes that they like and dislike. So we're going to read off some of the responses. We got some hilarious ones, some that I didn't even think about and made me go, oh, man, that is a cliche. That is a big trope in movies. So that is the agenda for tonight. Kind of different than taking, a, I guess, a vacation from our reviewing of films and we're just going to talk about some of the tropes and things that films try to present to us all the dang time 
so with that being said, um, I guess what the, the first thing to do would just be to just kind of define what a trope is. So for me, um, tropes exist and I'll just from time to time, just tell you to chime in Heather. But for me, tropes, um, th- there are so many different kinds and I mean, you could break tropes and cliches down into different genres. If you wanted to, there are sci-fi tropes that I think uh, often appear in sci-fi movies. There are action movie tropes, kind of like the one-liner when the hero is about to dispatch the villain and there's some cool one-liner that's said before the villain gets dispatched or some sort of play on words or something like that. So you see that a lot in action movies. There are television cliches that I think happen um, all over television and things like that. So really, tropes come in so many different forms. And, and sometimes there are just uh, what you call character tropes, the, where a character, a main character, minor characters, it can be any character in a film or cinema of some sort, but they take on these personality traits that we just see all the time, or they or the character fulfills a certain role in a movie or TV show that we just see constantly. And, you know, there are ways that they kind of familiarize us with characters that it makes the presentation of a film feel familiar, but boy, do they show up all the time. So, uh, so with that being said, um, Heather, what are just some of your, um, well, I guess we'll start with favorites. What are some of the tropes that you immediately recognize, uh, in movies and TV? Yeah. I mean, tropes are tropes and cliches are very, I have kind of like a love hate relationship with some of them because I think that in any genre that they do have them, which is kind of in all genres, like you were just talking about, there's at least one movie that does them right or in a decent way in every genre. More often than not, that yeah. is not the case. <laughs> but I mean, and I feel like just to add to what you were saying about what they are, I do feel like it's also a little bit of that. We want you to relate to the movie or we want you to we want to kind of reel you in and rope you into this movie in some way. And we feel like this has been proven to do it before. So we're going to keep doing it, you know, and sometimes Mm -hmm. it's overdone. Sometimes it's not done in the right way. And that's kind of the worst is when they're trying so hard to go with something that's like, (laughs) like, oh, this is going to be such a great revealing or revelation of a moment or something or like, Oh, this is going to be something they love because they always love this. And then they just do it in the worst way you can think of. So it's honestly, I feel like a lot of times depends on just how you do it in general. But for me, most of the cliches that I do enjoy are, um, (laughs) believe it or not, it's from, rom-coms or you know just love stories in general because it's always the guy meets girl or girl meets guy or there's just always like the um we instantly knew that we were the one for each other and we're meant to be and there's the the underdog that ends up being the one that the you know super perfect person loves 
Like there's just all <laughs> different types of romantic comedy tropes and cliches. Um, like there's too many. And it's funny too. And I know we're going to get into this because um, some of our fans talked about it too, but the movie, um, isn't it romantic with rebel Wilson? That movie I actually think is just funny just in the sense of it completely is a movie making fun of all of those cliches, (laughs) you know, and and this is kind of like that's just a movie that really came to mind with this whole topic, because that movie really calls out a lot of the really ridiculous cliches and makes them super dramatic. And it's so funny. Um, It's actually I mean, I'm not saying it's like an amazingly great movie. But I think it's clever the way that they do the cliches for romantic comedies in those. But anyways, all that to say, my favorite ones happen to be from love stories. And maybe it's just like the hopeless romantic in me or just in general being somebody who likes love stories. You know, it gives you that hope of like, okay, so I don't have to be this type of person. I don't have to be this perfect person. I don't have to have like the childhood sweetheart and get married to them. You know, like I could still have a different love story and it's good. There's so many different types of love stories, but in each one, there is always that cliche of, oh, there's a problematic moment of, oh, I'm torn between you and the person that I've been dating for forever. Or, you know, like, who should I be with? I'm split. And you know what I mean? The love triangle. The love triangle. (laughs) And Sometimes I'm like, why? What's the point? This is unnecessary. But sometimes I'm like, it really builds for a good story, you know? So that is one that I actually usually enjoy because you want to know like, oh, what are they going to do? Who are they going to go with? And it's usually the moment too when they realize something about themselves in, in that love triangle. Like they think this is the person they're going to be with, but then they're like, I'm realizing that this is not what I want for my life. So you're not who I want for my life. Like there's always that revealing moment when they're figuring out which person in the love triangle they want to be with. Right. So, yeah, I, I enjoy those because I feel like it always has that moment of revelation where you feel like the person that's torn between the two just has like an epiphany about who they are as a person. And I don't know why it's super cheesy, but I love it sometimes. Most of the time I love it. So for me, that's going to be one of the ones that's a favorite. And just in general, like I, I, I'm just a sucker for by no means should these two people really be together in the real world. Would they even know each other? Probably not. Would they even be on each other's radar? Most of the time, it's not at all realistic. But I think that's what I love about it, because you feel like you really you can find love anywhere. This is so great. I love movies that show you that. So that's another cheesy one that I like. Um, those are probably my yeah, main two, you know, that I would say are the ones I I don't mind them, you know. Yeah. And actually, you said you made a lot of good points there because um, something that you said um, earlier when you started was that that cliches exist, but they exist to bring some comfort to the to the characters to the story that that it helps to bring a comfort and i use the word familiarity and i think that is important and that's why i i do think cliches are important and it's important to point out the ones or the tropes or the ones that we 
like also because like you said you you made a good point there those are the ones that kind of draw you into the story those are the ones that kind of make you feel like you know where it's going those are the ones that kind of make you feel familiar okay i kind of know what this what this guy character is or you know he's um going through a time in his life or maybe he's nervous or he's kind of always been the underdog he hasn't had a lot of luck with women okay i've seen this kind of character before and that doesn't mean that you're going to get the exact same story that you got before but it is a way of of making you of making of getting you convincing you to kind of settle in and go with this story so sometimes seeing some familiar beats seeing a familiar character seeing a a woman and maybe she's a little clumsy or not everything is going right in her life or she just got fired from her job and then she gets home and seems like everybody in her family's giving a grief or whatever she's just having a terrible day we've we've seen those kinds of things before but they are a way to familiarize you with the story. You're like, okay, this feels familiar because the last, because sometimes the last thing you want as a viewer is to just completely be thrown aback and seeing. Now, sometimes being thrown aback and seeing something different and it intrigues you. It's like, oh, wow, this is crazy. Wow, what is this? And you're along for that ride too. But I think more often than not, there 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 has to be some comfort. There has to be some familiarity. There has to be some. It's just kind of like when you go to a restaurant, there are probably just certain things, especially if you go to certain restaurants. Like if you go to a Mexican restaurant, I imagine there are just certain things on the menu that you would expect to be there. <laughs> you know, like, uh, I mean, I would imagine yeah. that, you know, there would it, you'd be surprised if you didn't see quesadillas on the menu or if you didn't see tacos or burritos or something like that. Mm -hmm. Like you'd probably go, what kind of, why does this Mexican restaurant not have these basic things? Like like it would probably kind of take you aback. Like, man, usually they have these things and this is what I'm used to having on the menu. That's kind of why I came here to eat something I'm kind of familiar with eating. Well, I think sometimes movies are the same way. If too much is different, if too much is way out there, you may not even grasp onto the movie for the ride. You you may become disinterested within the first few minutes of the film. I know that's definitely happened to me. So, yeah, I, I can see how having some of those familiar ingredients uh, can be useful. And with respect to romantic comedies, it's funny that you bring those up because, yeah, uh, of course, there are romantic comedies that have quite a few tropes in them. I mean, the the love triangle trope is definitely one that's in there. And uh, one that just comes off the top of my head is kind of like that last minute wait, you're the one and I love you. And before you make this big decision that impacted your life or before you get on the plane or before you leave me forever. I just have to let you know what the truth is. And I really love you. And then that person (laughs) is like, oh, you do? Well, let me just change all my plans then. And now we can hug and kiss and everything's okay. So yeah, 
those things happen you know they do and it's, it's just funny too because like um kind of along the same lines of that is it's those movies and i was talking about this with a friend earlier it's those movies that also have the you know the girl hated the guy the entire time and then suddenly realizes oh. she loved him or something, you know? And it's like, yeah. Okay. Like what in what world, like for real though, you know? And, <laughs> um, it's just, it's those things that it's funny because they're true though. Like everybody can think of at least one movie with all these tropes that you're like, yep, that's the one I thought of, you know? Um, yeah. And like, I mean, but even like the, um, with romantic comedies again, they always have like some kind of like really extra cheesy like line that a guy will say to a girl to make her realize <laughs> how much he loves her. And that's one that sometimes I enjoy it. It's one of those love hate ones where I'm like, if you do it right and you're saying the right thing, it's great. You know, but then if you're real cheesy about it, it's like, ooh, that just was no, there's no way that that's going to get you that girl. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? So that's so funny. Like that, that is so true, but there are movies though. And there are romantic comedies where those lines are executed well, or the way that the actors or actresses react to the line. You know, sometimes you get a pair of actors who really have good chemistry. And even though you are seeing a lot of familiar tropes, it, it feels like you're getting something extra. It feels like you're getting something good because those two actors or, or actresses or whomever's in the scene, they just have a way of carrying scenes like other people couldn't. And they just have a way of delivering lines. And, and I think that's important to mention too about romantic comedies like, Sure, there are a lot of cliches like the ones that we just talked about. But for me, what uh, what usually makes a romantic comedy for me is the journey. It's not so much the mm. beginning and end, because typically we know what's going to happen. Right. Like, like like we saw a movie poster. We saw the preview. We know who these the, the two people are that are going to fall in love. You, you typically know who these people are going to wind up with or who's going to wind up together. But to me, it it's never been about, oh, the ending. To me, it's about the journey. How interesting was that journey? How entertaining was it? Were there some funny parts along the way? Where did the did the actors get me to care? about their relationship and stuff like that. And I think that's where a distinction can be made. Like sometimes the tropes are, they do feel disingenuous and it does feel like, Oh my God, you hated this person the whole movie. And now all of a sudden you realize you love them. And then other times it's done so extremely well that it'll sit there having you go. Yeah, I believe it. I do. Yeah, totally. I believe it, man. <laughs> you know, I believe it. Yes, I know she hated him the whole time, but I get it. But I get what she's realizing now. And it's just executed so well, you go for it. And then you'll watch another movie with the same kind of trope. And you'll be like, eh, this is, meh, yuck, bleh. 
this is unbelievable. Right. I didn't believe anything that happened. The, I feel like the movie is lying to me. So there is a difference, you know, even when the same tropes are presented, sometimes how they're presented makes a huge difference. Yeah, no, I totally agree with that. It's just funny because I feel like romantic comedies seem to have the most cliches and tropes than any other type of movie. I could be wrong, but it's just the ones I've noticed the most, maybe because I watch more of them than some other movies. <laughs> I think, well, that and I think horror movies also have a lot of tropes in them. But Oh, it's, gosh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure we will get into some of those too. But yeah, it's like, I don't know. It's It's just, there's... I feel like with any cliche, though, like there's there's always going to be the one that you're like, you're the exception to what this is and you're actually doing it right. And then most of the time you're like, yeah, OK, I saw that coming and that's super cheesy. So it's it's just kind of a matter of taste. Like some people love that. Like I have friends who absolutely love Hallmark movies. They have Hallmark movie marathons because they love the the Hallmark movies. Um, or the Lifetime movies. <laughs> That's not my thing. <laughs> like, I do like a, a good love story, but the Hallmark ones are, like, exceptionally cheesy to me. And those are not <laughs> those are not my thing. But I know some people who love them, and they're just like, oh, these stories are so great and beautiful, and I love them. Great. That's totally, your, if you're that's your thing, that's great. The, for me, it's too much of cliche everything in those movies. So it's it's too much for me. If it's too much cliche, then I can't take it, you know? Yeah, I'm I think I'm in a similar boat to you because, yeah, if I, I've got family members who love to watch the Hallmark Channel <laughs> and everything like that. And, and my mom, one time I was just over visiting and I just happened to start watching one of those Hallmark movies with her. And it was funny because, like, my mom was just so into the movie. She was like, oh, you know, and, and my mom <laughs> is kind of one of those people like, uh, you know what? The, that could be another episode that we do. Like people like put it, giving labels to certain people that you watch movies with. But oh I, I like to call. I like to call my mom the commentator because she's one of those types of people where she just has to comment on some event that's happening. And sometimes oh she gosh. has to talk. She has to talk to the characters like, look out or um, <laughs> or, oh, you're going to get it now. Or, yeah, she's mad at you. You see the way she's looking at you like my mom is that person. <laughs> so, you know, she's a commentator when she watches movies. So uh, Those people are super so, fun to watch movies in the theater with sometimes, though, like depending on the movie. Yeah, but it, I have that's a, true. Yeah. I have a friend like that. That's just like any. I went to go see a scary movie with her and everything made her jump, like scream and be like, don't go in there. What are you doing? No. And I, it was so funny. <laughs> like, I think if you if it's all the time, it's probably a little too much. But every now and then I'm like, this is the funniest thing ever. You're just completely that person that people talk about sitting next to at movie theaters. It's so funny. 
Yeah, and it and, and, and like and for the most part, my mom. It, it's it's funny. I just gotta you know, I just gotta laugh at her <laughs> and stuff like that. But it's just so funny because we're watching this Hallmark movie, and I forget what the movie was about. But everything that was happening was so predictable, and I was just sitting there going, "Okay, this guy is gonna get mad at this girl, and then they're gonna they're gonna have an argument, and she's gonna walk out right now." And I swear. Everything that in my head that I thought was going to happen was happening. And then there was this big reveal, like the, the it was something with cops and like the 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 main one of the main cops, the sergeant or the, the commissioner, whoever the main cop was. Of course, he winds up being bad. And that was the big reveal. And then <laughs> something else had to happen. And they were kind of looking for this killer. It was almost like a CSI or like a law in order it was kind of like a play on one of those but just not well done and so i was just predicting everything that was happening in this movie and you know one of the only things that was entertaining about it was my mom's commentary but yeah (laughs) I, i know what you mean i've seen some uh Hallmark movies in my day. And I think that's what that's a great example of sometimes tropes going wrong because then you get stuff like that where people are like, oh, yeah. hey, these these tropes work in big movies and big for big actors and actresses and stuff like that. So yeah, you know, we can get some uh lower level talent and we can get our show and we we can do some of the same things. And as long as we have those things, people will watch. But yeah, I, I do feel that sometimes you see right through those things or since the acting quality and the storytelling and pacing isn't quite what it is with some of those other movies that 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 um like some of the other higher level movies you can definitely tell and it does change how you experience them but nonetheless yeah they have a ton of fans yeah and i think that's why i appreciate those movies that are the love stories that they sort of they do a lot of the tropes but they they don't end the movie in the way you think um for example my best friend's wedding like you think at the end of that movie julia roberts is going to end up with the guy because that's what the whole movie's about is like realizing that she loves him and going after him and all this stuff. And she doesn't end up with him. And, you know, spoilers for anybody who hasn't seen that movie. Sorry. But (laughs) um, it's, you know, I appreciate that because you're just like, there is that journey that you were talking about, that journey of getting there and the realization and just the things that come about after realizing that love and chasing after that love. And Honestly, sometimes it doesn't work out. And I like that because I do think that's also true to real life. And sometimes it doesn't work out, but also life goes on and it doesn't mean that there's not a happy ending. And, you know, so I do appreciate those as well, where you can still have those tropes and those things that are common, but you take a little bit of a different, you know, take on it and you, you make the ending different than what people might expect. And I do really appreciate that when movies do that. So, yeah. And when it's done with kind of some realistic flair like that, it does feel fresh and it does add something to it. Sometimes seeing those things not work out. And that doesn't mean that, oh, um, 
you necessarily want a sad ending because it's true. Sometimes you're just looking for that happy ending. That's another trope, the happy ending. Uh, sometimes mm. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that, <laughs> that's funny, but uh, sometimes you want that happy ending, but other times it does feel refreshing when you get something kind of different from that. Like th this isn't a great movie, but you saying that just reminds me of this other movie, the breakup with, uh, Jennifer Aniston and Vince yep. Vaughn. Mm -hmm. um, and it's not the greatest movie. I mean, there were funny parts. It, it was a decent movie at best. But what was refreshing about it was the fact that it was about these two people coping and accepting and coming to an understanding about why they couldn't be together. You know, and, and it was yeah. analyzing that journey, that journey to break up. And the ending was happy in, in the sense that not that they stayed together, but that they came to a full understanding of why they needed to be apart. And that led to their lives improving and being better because they finally got that understanding through each other. And even though, yeah, that's not like the greatest movie ever, I appreciated that. You know, I appreciated the attempt to tell a different story with that. And it still had tropes. You know what I mean? There was like the comedy relief best friends and people on the side. There was the the and there was oh, yeah. kind of the, the a similar storyline of, well, I hate you. I hate you. I hate you. And then coming to realize, well, look, the the. And, and there were realizations and things like that. And they started in a very volatile kind of explosive place. And by the end, they were more tolerable of each other and understanding of each other. That's still growth. That's still a change. That's yeah. still the same kind of realization that you see in romantic comedies. But it was about that within a breakup scenario. So it just made it feel different, you know? It just made totally. it feel different. Yeah, I get um, that. It makes me think. Yeah. And like it makes me think about marriage story, which was a story, which was mm. another story about breaking up and divorce and going through that. And but yet still making realizations and appreciating each other and how volatile that can be. And man, uh, that was, that's more, I guess more of a romantic drama, but, but it had some comedic beats, uh, to it. There was some comedic parts and things like that, but yeah, even that, like that was a romance movie, but man, it was heavy. It had great, drama there was excellent acting and yeah it might have had some of those tropes like you had kind of the guy having the affair and the you know you had some different things the the um overbearing mother and you know it had some tropes it, yeah. it definitely did the yeah the overbearing mother-in-law or the in-laws that are kind of like you know on the outside looking in it had some of those things but overall the acting and the journey was great, you know? So those tropes mm -hmm. helped carry that story along. So, yeah. And the, and the last example I'll give about, you know, romantic comedies is the movie. He's just not that into you. I, I, that movie gets a lot of flack. Like a lot of people don't really like that movie. I really enjoyed that movie because 
I mean, it's intertwining all these different people who know each other and their individual love lives and what happens with them. And I don't know if you've seen it, Justin, but it's, I mean, it's, I like it because I think there's a lot of truth in some of the relationships that happen and um, some of them just don't turn out the way you expect them to. But I just, I remember when I watched it at the end of the movie, you know, one of the, one of the last things that the, the main girl who's the narrator says is, um, and it reminded me of it because you were talking about happy endings and she's like, sometimes maybe your happy ending is you by yourself, like picking up the pieces of your life that you thought you had and moving on and still being happy. And that's a completely different. Yeah. I mean, it's a completely different type of happy ending and it kind of breaks that traditional cliche happy ending of the girl gets the guy all the time and everything's all good. You know, sometimes it's like, Nope, we're getting a divorce because things happened and they can't be fixed. And but that doesn't mean I'm going to be unhappy just because I'm alone. And it was, a re- I really appreciated that because that's so many people's story though. You know, like it might not be what people want to always see on TV because people love to believe that, you know, what happens in the movies can happen to me. Um, I've been guilty of that before. Like, I feel like that's a huge thing and that's why people do those tropes, <laughs> you know, part of another part of the reason why they do them. And you know, people don't really necessarily always want to hear about that. But I think that if you put a good enough twist on that, like they did in that movie, where it's like, you know, maybe your happy ending is just you by yourself. Like, what's wrong with that? So kind of breaking down what a happy ending is, like breaking down, like, what is this trope? And why can't this trope mean something else instead? And I like that, too, you know. No, that's a very good point. And I and I haven't seen that movie. That's one that kind of got away from me. But I'm but I know it's very popular. It's mentioned a lot by people when they're talking about romantic comedies they like or and and I've seen it on some people's dislike list. But the point (laughs) is, is that um, it's mentioned. It's very popular. It's often mentioned by people. And I don't know, man, that that sounds very forward thinking, like just that whole idea of maybe the happy ending is you not with anyone for a moment. And that's true. Sometimes it does take that moment of being by yourself to really understand what you need, get your confidence back. That can be that 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 doesn't necessarily mean things end per se there, but that can be the start of something positive. And I'm and I'm glad that that movie actually addresses that because that because, yeah, like you said, that challenges the trope of the happy ending is guy and girl get together. Everything is resolved. It challenges that theory. And, yeah. and that's and, and that's what movies need sometimes. And I think that sometimes with audience, I don't want to come off as making it sound like we just think that movies just have to be realistic all the time because that's not true like a a lot of times you know and you kind of alluded to this earlier uh, we watch movies to escape sometimes you want a fantasy you don't you want to escape reality so you know I do think there's a thin line with critiquing some of these things and saying well I I want something more realistic I guess this the 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 real answer is is that 
we go through different moods and if if the right movie catches us with the right tropes <laughs> on the right day right. we're going to like them <laughs> we're going to totally. like them and and if they don't then we're going to say we're going to complain about them but you know that's another interesting thing to think about you know it's like what i guess it just depends on what we need do we need a dose of reality to help with some reality that's happening with us or do we need a dose of fiction and fantasy because of something that we're going through. So that's another seesaw kind of battle with this, you know, I think that you completely just like spoke to the hearts of most women (laughs) with like how it's like, sometimes I'm all about like, yeah, let's watch a movie about amazing, badass single women. This is great. And sometimes I'm like, you know what? I want to be sad right now. So let me see a, a sad love story or let me see a happy love story where they actually end up together. Like, it's so funny. I feel like every girl I know has those moments where they're like, you know what? I want to watch this happy ending rom-com today or I want to watch this one where they break up and it still is OK. Like, it's so funny because you're just hitting on a lot of things that I think it's t- it's true. It's like, what am I in the mood to watch today? Do I want to see something lighthearted? Do I want to see something more real to my situation like what do I want to see right now and how is it going to resonate with me right now that's so true and that's why tropes work because it's speaking to that part of us that either the hopeful part of us that it's like all right this is what I want to see happen in my own life so I want to see that happen here and know that it can be possible or they want to see something like mine didn't work out. I want to see a movie where it didn't work out for somebody else either. You know, it's so true. I think you hit on something really good there. Yeah. And it's, and I mean, I'm glad that you uh, agree with that point. And, and it's definitely not just women. It's men too. Sometimes I'm like, man, I want to feel heroic. Let me put on <laughs> this Avengers. Captain America or <laughs> let me put on this Avengers or let me put on these superheroes. Yeah. Let me see these men uh, with big muscles kicking ass. You know what I mean? <laughs> we do the same thing, you know, so I'm not even going to try to sit here and act like men don't do it, too. Or sometimes, yeah, we're in the mood to see a story where the guy gets the girl because maybe we're single or maybe we're like, man, I, my last relationship didn't work out man I need to pick me up I need to see a guy who lost his girl or the girl betrayed him and then see him you know wind up in a better situation that kind of stuff motivates us too and those and similar tropes play to us too or the whole thing about believing in yourself that is a big one that I am just like a moth to the flame (laughs) to that kind of stuff oh oh Timmy or Oh, Harry Potter or oh, whoever the protagonist is, you just got to believe, man. You just got to believe in yourself and that's going to make the situation better. You got to yep. believe and you'll and you'll try your best and then he tries his best and then he wins. And I'm like, yes, he did. And he did his best. You know, I, <laughs> yeah, I, maybe not the that dramatic, but thing. yeah. Yeah, the underdog thing, because I feel like that, man. I feel like that sometimes. I feel like I'm the underdog, and I feel like giving up sometimes. And I need to hear, I need to see somebody or something that I'm familiar with. I need to see the trope of the man persevering. And saying, look, man, I'm going to keep trying. It's not working, but I'm just going to keep putting myself out there and I'm going to keep doing it. You know, I'm so and that 
it, mot- it motivates me. Oh, if I, ju- I got to believe too, you know, Jasta, you can do it, man. You just got to believe too. So you got to keep getting out there. <laughs> it's so true. I, I, and, and even though I, I know that I'm watching a cliche, I know that that is a cliche. Just believe in yourself. And I know that that is not true, th- that in a lot of people's lives, that is not true. You can, I hate to be Graham, but the reality is you can try your hardest and you still might fail. That's just a reality. You know, yeah. you can try, you, you can believe uh, that the, that the situation is going to be better. You can believe in everything and it may not get better. Uh, but that is being, that is what being a human being is. It is having that, those beliefs. It is having that hope sometimes when you can't see it. It's about trying your hardest, not knowing what the end result is going to be. And sometimes you just need the motivation to continue with that, you to continue with your life. Sometimes you just need that little reminder that, yeah, I need to be more confident in myself. I need to be, uh, I need to believe in myself. I need to believe that my actions can change my situation. I mean, a lot of people need to hear that. And sometimes the, what better way to get that than watching your favorite superhero or watching Sylvester Stallone or somebody you idolize uh, overcome and be the underdog and overcome and beat the, the the championship boxer in Rocky. You know, sometimes there's no better feeling than walking out of a movie theater going, you know what? I'm Rocky. I can do it. I can beat the adversary in my life. Everybody does it, man. Everybody has those moments. And then just like you, Heather, uh, then there are times where I'm watching that same trope and it's this hero and he believes in himself and I'm sitting there watching it. And because I am not feeling that right now, I'm like, man, this is stupid. Like <laughs> this movie you could just, yeah, this is dumb. You couldn't just believe in yourself and be the best boxer. Like I, we, we all do it. <laughs> we we right. all do it from time to time. So that is so funny. And that is just such a, reality of this situation i guess (laughs) which that actually that's a good segue into the next kind of trope that i think would be interesting to talk about but before i do that i did forget one more trope that i do actually really love in movies is makeover montages i love those no matter what movie it is i love a good makeover scene where they're trying on all the wardrobe and they come out and they look amazing i love those in every movie and there's usually some supporting character who's like, oh, yeah, this one. Yes, this one. Yeah, that's yes. you're killing it. Then when they come out in a stupid outfit, no, don't do that. Right. No, not that one. Or some. Yeah, man. Oh, my gosh. There are so many of those. I, I, I would love to see like I'm, I'm pretty sure they exist on YouTube. The top 10 makeover montages. I wonder what they are. I wonder if there's like a. Yeah. Hierarchy? Are there are, are there some that people just hold in the highest esteem? I wonder what they are. Like, uh, I wonder if there's yeah. a list out there. Oh, <laughs> my number one is always me... going to be Miss Congeniality. That is the best one of all time for me. Oh and yeah, Devil Wears that was Prada. a memorable one. Oh yeah, Devil Wears Prada. That was another memorable one. Those are two good ones. Th- those are definitely two good ones. 
But yeah, that is such a trope, man. Like that is a huge trope. Like the 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 dress up montage, and then for guy movies and stuff like that, or I say guy movies, I guess action movies and stuff like that. There's that training montage, or I'm getting I'm yep. strapping up with guns or whatever montage, and it has the same kind of effect on us, like John Wick putting on a, a you know. Um, you know, lining up bullets and picking up all of these guns and loading all of these weapons and strapping. Yep, and they getting ready for battle montage. Those are the kinds that we love. You know, Rocky was, uh, which I'm back on Rocky again. But one of the things that made that so famous was the training montage. Um, yep. And there are a couple, and there are a couple of movies that have come out from time to time where they make fun of the fact that there are montages. But yeah, definitely the makeover montage and the training montage. And you know what? I like those montages, though. I do. I like them. You know, uh, what better way to pass a lot of time in a few seconds, but make it interesting than a training montage. So, yeah, that is that is a good one. And that is one that I like. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And like, yeah, so along the similar lines of of you talking about the just believe in yourself and like the inspirational ones, I want to talk a minute for about um, for. Uh, over like sports movies because <laughs> how many times oh man do we see that where i mean and it's also again it's one of those love hate things like for example remember the titans i love that movie i think denzel washington is perfection i think he's so great yeah. and he does those really inspirational speeches but i'm like i believe you cuz you're denzel washington so whatever you say is probably going to be good but <laughs> there's they're, but they're in every sports movie sometimes they're really good and sometimes they're really like what are you doing right now like (laughs) i couldn't think of both sides of it there's that one and then there's also that trope of they always have to just like right when they're about to lose at the very very end of the movie suddenly the second half of whatever game it is they come back and they are just amazing and they just kill it and win (laughs) it's such a trope right that's so true. Like they'll be down and they, they just seem like they're just going to lose to this team. And then all of a sudden it's got, and sometimes it, it is done through a montage. You'll see people sweating or you'll see certain characters, uh, the ones that you really follow throughout the journey. They'll, they'll, they'll all of a sudden start scoring or the coach will give some impassioned speech and everybody is like, you're right, coach. We can do this now. Suddenly yep. What we could have do, we can do. And then they go out there and they just start doing it. And then it's a montage and their score is getting higher and higher. And all of a sudden the game is tied and we're at the end of the game. And somebody has to do some late heroics. It's so true. It's yep. so true, man. I mean, like, I guess that that's, is. Yeah, I guess that's really kind of any competition movie, too, because I mean, I even think about like the Pitch Perfect movies. I mean, and I love them and they're not by any means sports movies. But they're competition movies, right? Where you're like, oh, there's the one team also that's like really just so great. And but, you know, our heart and our spirit's going to make us win this. Like, you know, when by all accounts, it probably never would have happened. Like, yeah, I will, I will forever say that about like at least about the first Pitch Perfect movie. I'm like, there's no way that the girls 
team should have won that competition. I'm sorry. Like they were not as good as the guys and I will forever stand by that. So I have no idea how that happened, but you got to do it for the sake of the storyline. And it's so funny, but it's in everything. It's like, oh, this is the team to beat. Somehow, though, we just were so good. We beat them every time. Like, it's crazy, you know? No, it's so true. And like, it's funny because the movie sometimes will just do it to itself when it's a competition movie like that. Like they'll say, well, the opposition, they went nationally last year and met the president and they haven't lost a game in eight years. Right. Or they, You know, there's always these just insurmountable stats and accomplishments that this other team has um has accomplished and then we've got this underdog team and they've done nothing or they just barely got to where they like each other by like the end Sister of this Act movie. Two, even oh, i'm thinking God, of all these movies yes. now yeah it's that is yep that's a perfect example of that you know you got the other side and they're excellent and they've just done nothing but win and they just got all these skills and talent and the 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 composer or it doesn't matter who it is whatever the coach or the composer or whoever is just this like nationally known person and then on the other side is the underdogs and they're a bunch of nobodies and they win (laughs) <laughs> and you know what? We're going to switch it up right before you go out. And we're going to be even more amazing somehow and be really in sync with each other, even though we didn't rehearse this at all. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. And the person who and then there's a, usually a person on the team or the competition or that underdog group who just wasn't getting it. They didn't understand it. They, they just couldn't do the dance moves or they just weren't the best singer. But for some reason, by the end of the movie, they have found the perfect place for themselves. And now <laughs> everything is in sync and they're just doing amazing. We can beat this nationally known team. Yep. <laughs> it's yes. hilarious. But sometimes I live for it. Sometimes I'm like, I love this. This is so great. And other times I'm like, this is just too unbelievable. I can't deal with this. <laughs> it's so true. And, and, and you're right. Like a lot of times I am along for that ride, you know, like in the Mighty Ducks, you know, I was along for that ride or like oh, totally. you said, um, uh, Remember the Titans. Yeah, man, when you hear Denzel Washington doing that impassioned speech, and yes, that's a trope. The coach passionate speech, you've heard it a million times, but man, but when Denzel delivers it, it just feels like it means more. The way right. it was delivered, the, the 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 look in his eye, the way that the that conviction, uh, he was you know? looking at the other players. Yeah, the, you just feel something that you don't feel when it's done a million other times. <laughs> Sometimes, so I think we've so just decided true. that like probably Denzel Washington could do any trope he wants, and I'm in for it because it's going to be good. <laughs> it's going to be the time they do it right for real, though. Yeah, he probably could at this point. He probably could just do just about anything. He could do a movie called Tropes, and in it, it's just nothing but tropes and him doing tropes, and it probably would still be good. I would believe it. Him in a love story, even? Like, yep, I believe it. You're going to get the girl. I'm going to I'm yep. gonna see that happening. It's going to happen. Yep. No, that is just so true. And, and, and I think that it, that is important to say is that, you know, certain actors and actresses, man, that they just can get away with things. You know, they can execute those tropes in such a way. And that's another thing, too, like typecasted actors and actresses. Some people 
are just great at playing those best friends, those side characters, oh, yeah. or those comedic relief characters. They are just excellent. Judy Greer, anybody? Those. Judy Greer is like, oh, the best yeah. Judy Greer, uh, Stanley Tucci. Oh, I mean, I love him. When yep. you talk about, like, yeah, a supporting character, or just like that friend or that character who's not the main character, but they're kind of associated with some of the lead characters. I mean, he's one of those people. He's just so great at it that even though that character is a trope in a lot of ways, you're you're cool with it because of who it is and who it is playing that part. It's so true. It's so true. 100 percent. And that's kind of the only reason, like, um, just to jump really quick to a rom-com again, Hitch is full of a ton of tropes, 100 percent. But Will Smith is charming enough to pull that off and you believe it. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that movie also like while there were parts where I was like, man, I totally believe everything he's saying. It also really included some of the cheesiest lines that I've ever heard in movies. But when he says them, you're like, OK, I believe it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. You're along for the why, because as as Sterling would say, Will Smith is always Will Smithing. And whenever yeah. he's Will Smithing, it's, it's an enjoyable experience. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> that is a, a classic Sterling line. And that and I have to agree with him when he said it. It sounds kind of silly when Will Smith is Will Smithing, but everybody who follows and knows Will Smith knows exactly what that is. Yep, we we what know that what that is. We know what that is. When he turns on the there's a there's a Will Smith charm that only belongs to Will Smith. There's just a way, an energy and a charisma and a way that he and the presence that he has in a scene where he can get away. With those tropes, yep. <laughs> he can do it, you know. And this, ladies he and gentlemen, is why I have loved Will Smith since I was like a little girl because everything he's in, I'm like, you are so charming. <laughs> Yeah. And he's been that way for so long. I mean, ever since uh, when when I first started watching him in The Fresh Prince of Bel-Air and I mean, musically, I mean, when you follow his music career, even his music was kind of like that. It just had a way of getting you to rock your head or there was just memorable things that he would say. And he just sounded different from other people. And a lot of that was I mean, he is just one of those people. You can't teach that. He just has a charm, man. And that and and our directors and writers, they know that. So even though they have written this character that could be tropey as hell, they know (laughs) that when Will Smith delivers this line, it's going to be all right because he's going to Will Smith the heck out of that line. Right. And it's going to work. He'll be Will Smith. Typically right. Yeah. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) I mean, yeah, no, I totally agree. He's um, I mean, but it's not even just like. The fact that he is super charismatic and charming, it's also just his talent. So it's like he's kind of a force, man. He's a force to be reckoned with in like all areas. And I mean, he's like upwards of 50 and dude is like super attractive still. Like he doesn't age and he also kind of gets nope. better with age. Honestly, <laughs> like he's one of those people that <laughs> he gets better the older he is, you know. But anyway, so he's kind of like a living trope 
in and of himself, if you will. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> in a way. I guess he's almost his own trope. The Will Smith trope might just, uh, that that may just actually be a thing at this point. And if it's right. not, it should be. And it's funny that, like you mentioned that, and, and it's like, and there are just certain actors and actresses. And when I think about some of the female actresses, like Sandra Bullock, I yes. think that there is a certain charm to her as well. Even she's though Sterling hates her, but she's very charming. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. She's got a quirkiness. She's got a way about her. And she's got a, a, a way with a scene. And a, and like, I, I think that was the best word. A quirkiness. There's kind of a, you know, you can just kind of tell that she likes having fun. You, you you just get that sense that when she has fun with the scene, she really goes for it. And you just yeah. can't help. There's an energy there that is appealing to a lot of people. So yeah. when Sandra Bullock's in a movie, you'll typically go for the ride because she just has a way with a scene. She has a that face. She just has a way and 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 it's true over the years there have just been actresses julia roberts is another one i kind of think yeah. of she has that you know and america sweethearts you know when we were watching your essential movie america sweethearts it just reminded me of a lot of those things like the way that she would smile and the camera would just let her smile yeah. and stand there and i was like man there's just you know, and of course, she's an attractive actress and everything, but there's a real energy when she's on screen. You know, there's just a real charm to who she is, you know, and regardless of what you dress her up in or what kind of makeup she has on or whatever the scene is asking her to do. There is a charm that she has that is distinct to her. And, and, and it's true. So when you see these movies, and I think that that's why, and you don't see it as much anymore, but back when rom-coms were all the rage, yeah. you would see the same actresses over and over again kind of doing these kinds of movies. And that's the reason why, you know, because they were just so magnetic or personable or charismatic in that way that you didn't mind seeing this person in a similar role playing a similar woman who's the underdog trying to get something done because that actress was just so good at portraying that. And it's the same way yep. with the guys, too. You know, I, you can watch a dozen action movies with Arnold Schwarzenegger, and you know that Arnold is going to be Arnold, and Arnold is going to yeah. say the one-liners, and Arnold gonna is just going to stand there, yep, and stand there and flex, and you know Arnold is going to be Arnold. You know what you're going to get. But, hey, you were along for the ride because nobody does it quite like him. So, and I guess yeah, that, that is... Yeah, that's a very interesting thing because you do feel like, I mean, there are certain celebrities that are, they are their own cliche, but that's why we love them and that's why we watch them because they are that way. Like even more recent examples, I would say would be Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone. I mean, anything they're in, I'm watching, especially when it's them together. I'm watching that because that is like charm. That is like, but it's it's because they have a very distinct way that they do their roles that's it's still true to who they are but they're fitting the character they're playing at the same time 
And that is what you kind of need. If you're going to make cliches work, that's what you kind of need to happen. And those are the times when it does work, when you have people delivering it in a way that is believable, you know? Yeah. And that's so true. And now that you mentioned them, that also makes me think about someone like Keanu Reeves. Like, yes, especially it seems like now for this generation, um, you know, growing up with him and now that he's a a little older and everything that very laid back, just the the calm of the blue ocean demeanor he kind (laughs) of has and just that cool kind of, you know, just very respectable and humble and just extremely cool. But a guy with all these skills and a guy with a big heart and, you know, he's given to so many things and he's got that kind of big humanitarian heart, but doesn't brag about any of these things. Doesn't seem like the fame has got to him. All of those things kind of come off when you see him in interviews and stuff like that. And whenever he's in a movie, that monotone kind of kind of stoic ish kind of voice and demeanor that he has. It's funny because back then people used to kind of make fun of him for that. And, you know, people would kind of be like, man, I don't think that Keanu Reeves, I remember being in friendship circles and people going, man, I don't think Keanu Reeves can really act at all. Like I, I, he's just that same monotone guy in every movie and I don't like it, but it's interesting because now that is looked at as kind of more cool. It's looked at as something that is kind of, it has become kind of what you said. He is his own trope. So when you see mm-hmm. Keanu Reeves, now that is an endearing thing hearing that voice and hearing him kind of deliver a line in the stoic way that he delivers it, it has kind of now just become something synonymous with him. Now that's what you pay for. Whereas back then it used to be, <laughs> man, why, why can't he be more dramatic? Why can't he be more like Denzel? Or why can't he be more like this person or that person? Now that is what we pay for. It's He's to see Keanu, Keanu around. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. That is what we pay for now. We pay to see Keanu be Keanu. And that's why the John Wick, half of the reason why the John Wick movies work so well, because there are hella tropes in that too. The one man defeating an entire army (laughs) or, you know, people, you know, instead of the henchmen ganging up on the person and attacking him at the same time, they come at him one at a time. You know, there are action movie tropes that, uh, that are definitely in John Wick, but it's Keanu is what we pay for to see him do those things, to see him, uh, the time that he dedicates to fighting and stuff like that, and to see him kind of in his element being cool, suave, Keanu Reeves, monotone Keanu Reeves, doing his thing and killing it at these fight scenes. That's what we pay for now, you know? Now that I'm thinking of it, can we just get like a like a Keanu Reeves, Will Smith, like team up movie, because I would so oh watch my that. gosh, right? The, the world would explode. I don't know if we could handle I know, all right? of that Keanu Reevesing and Will Smithing. I don't know <laughs> if we could handle that. I don't know if I, I could handle that. <laughs> it would be glorious. But, but yeah, it would be too much yeah. for people. <laughs> 
<laughs> Definitely. Uh, but, uh, but but yeah, but um, and maybe this is just a good uh, time to just kind of segue into just um, we'll talk about just, I guess, some dislike tropes a little bit, which we've kind of gone back and forth. So I don't know, you know, maybe we've already hit on some of them. But then there are also kind of like just the tropes, like just things that happen in movies like plot tropes i think it's kind of important to maybe single those out because yeah we definitely have the actor tropes and just like the romantic comedy tropes and stuff like that but then there are just kind of things that randomly that not randomly actually they occasionally uh happen in movies all the time and when you recognize them you're just like Okay, you know, I've seen this a hundred times and sometimes it's just uh, uh, not effective for the sheer amount of times that you've seen it. So I'm just going to go through a few here that I've got on a list and we'll just kind of fire off some of these and then we'll get uh, to some of the things that our fan uh, some of our fan responses, which are kind of all over the place. But Something that I just see in a lot of movies that I think they need to do something about, and this happens a lot in animated movies, is the the death fake out is what I'm going to call it because I just have a don't have a better term for it. But what the death fake out is, is that when you get to the end of the movie and something happens to the protagonist, whether it's a building blows up or the, him and the antagonist, the villain, both fall off a building or something happens and there's um, an earthquake or something. And there's always this moment where there's this other character or these other characters, and it seems like the main character is dead. Like he or she is laid out, and it looks like, oh no, are they dead? And then <laughs> the person walks up to them, and then they start coughing, and they're alive. Or yes. the person, or you know, they you don't see anybody over the cliff, and then the other characters are like, oh no, he fell off the cliff with the villain. And then you see a hand come up onto the cliff. Yes. And the person climbs up out of the cliff. Like, can we please do something besides the death fake out? Can we please stop faking people's deaths? Yes, you know? that is a good one. <laughs> oh my gosh, you're so right. Like, how many times does that happen? Like, and I mean, I've seen it in several different genres of movies. I've seen it in horror movies where it looks like, you know, the main character is dead or you see a knife in them or something. And then they get up and you realize that the knife is not in them. It's to the person next to them. Like they do this kind of stuff all yeah. the time. <laughs> like. Yes. That death fake out. So I'm like, man, y'all got to we got to come up with something better than this, man, because it never works. You know, that character is not dead. You know it. You right. know that character. It never works. You know that character is not dead. Totally. But the they, only time but they do it anyway. The only time that I'm like normally OK with that is in the MCU movies. Like when you think that the hero is like about to die and then they come out from the flames and they're like running towards the people because they're okay. Like stuff like that. Yeah. I'm fine yeah. with because it's like the Marvel characters and they're amazing. But 
any other time yeah. I'm like, okay, guys, let's pull it together a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Let's, can we just find a better way to kind of do this? Cause, uh, yeah, you know, that's just the, the, the death fake outs are just so weird. And it's just kind of one of those rules. Like if you didn't see it on camera, it didn't happen. Like they, they, they yeah. just love that bait and switch. Something will happen or you'll see the train headed right for them or the car is headed for them. And then all or the car is driving, getting closer and closer to the cliff. And it's like, and then it cuts and you don't see anything. You don't yep. see the person get out of the car. You don't see them escape the burning building. You don't see them get out of the exploding uh, house or whatever. But. They they just are. They're just out. And and you didn't see it. And could that person have ran fast enough or did the person really get out of the car? Could he have really gotten out in that little short period of time? We'll never know the real answer to that. And it doesn't matter because we didn't show it to you. So uh, you just have to assume that he lived. He did it. Right. Shut up. Let's move on <laughs> to the next scene. <laughs> so Basically. I don't know. I just thought that was a hilarious one. Do you have any kind of like particular ones like that? They're not specific to any genre, but just some that just make you laugh sometimes. Yeah, I mean, honestly, mine is a little bit more specific to. No, actually, maybe it's not. It's just I think I've seen it more in television shows, but it's kind of always a thing. Um, Whenever there's like a hospital, right, or somebody is in the hospital or there's doctors around or whatever it is. The doctor is always just like in the open out in front of the public discussing this serious medical condition with the families or whatever. And you're like, oh, man, that's so true. Like nobody (laughs) does that. Like no doctor is going to be like, hey, um, we're out in the open public here. Let me just tell you that your daughter has two hours to live. Like nobody is going to do that. It's, you know, like doctors aren't going to just openly discuss that in like a way like that. It's so it's so funny because I'm like, okay, guys, this is not even a thing. I feel like most of the tropes that bother me the most i think i've seen them mostly in television shows but like specific to um i know we're not really doing specifics but it just reminded me because it's similar with um law and order <laughs> whatever the cops are going around and they're like trying to get information from people like at offices or hospitals or whatever they're always just like walking around talking to them and I'm like, you're not going to stop and have him go in your office to talk about this. You're just going to be like running through the whole thing with him, like out in the open while you're working. Like you're not even going to take the time to say, OK, police officers, detectives, let me take five minutes to just talk to you and not do something else. It's so ridiculous. I'm like, nobody's going to do that. Like, do you know anybody? Yeah. And the cops not going to allow that either. They're going to be like, hey. Why don't you come over here and talk to us for a minute? Like, that's not even a thing that they would allow, probably. But it's just so funny to me that that happens. And then one more that I notice a lot, too, is when they have police officers or cops or whatever in shows or movies, they act a lot of times like cops are just complete idiots. (laughs) Like, they they just (laughs) act like what are you doing over there? This is crazy. Let me come there and figure out what's going on. Like, or they act like police officers don't know how to do actual like detective work or yeah, like common reasoning about things. They act like cops are always just like 
really bad at their jobs. <laughs> and I'm just like, okay, this is really getting a little crazy. It's like, this is a police officer. They've had training. They're going to at least be catching on to something happening here. They're not going to be completely idiots, you know, but that's definitely a trope that I see a lot that I hate. Cause I'm like, okay guys, like not all cops are just stupid, you know, and they just act like cops never catch on to anything that criminals do or anything like that. It's just crazy. And cops seem to be the dumbest when they're in car chases in movies. <laughs> they, yeah. they just run into everything. They run into walls. They run into each other. They always lose the good guy. They always lose the agent. They always lose the they, they just they just hardly ever win in a chase scenario they'll they'll be barricaded somebody or something like that and then all of the but somehow this hero would just escape them or you know they'll be making all these turns and stuff and for some reason this guy can just outdrive all of these trained professionals and all of this <laughs> stuff and you would think they would just know the city well enough the cops would to where okay let's cut this guy off at the pass but somehow this guy is able to get away and a lot of times the only explanation we're given is, oh, this guy is a secret agent. But it's so funny how we will let that description. Oh, he's a secret agent or he's a world renowned spy or oh, he's the the one of the great detectives, whatever the story is, or he's an assassin. He's a assassin and he's taken down some of the biggest people, uh, the, the biggest <laughs> criminals, and he's assassinated high profile people. So because the movie tells us that, then that means this guy can just make all these cops run into each other and they can't catch him and they just right. are terrible drivers compared to him what are we gonna and there's do really yeah and there's really no explanation ever given for that we just accept it and then these cops just do i mean they're just destroying the city they're shooting outside of cop cars and i'm just like would a cop really do this? I mean, would a cop just be shooting at another vehicle right. in a chase with all these people on the street and all these innocent bystanders? It just makes you go, man, what would a cop do this? I mean, would a cop? I've never seen a chase, not on a video or not on the news, because sometimes, you know, when police are chasing somebody over the city, like the O.J. Simpson, sometimes you'll yeah. see these chases on the news and i never see a firefight when i'm right. seeing these chases that but is it's true just funny how, yeah how often that happens in movies it's just hilarious you know these cops don't care about anybody on the sidewalks or nothing like that let's just drive over everything sidewalks concrete let's go through red and green lights and everything yeah. and just be shooting right. at each other <laughs> let's just shoot at them while driving and we could hit anybody and be liable for that you know it's just hilarious sometimes which also there's the times when like you you know, the movies when the cops are just like, they're so good at just being really good shots. But then when it's like the main bad guy person, they just always miss. They're always like, oh, oh I didn't gosh. get him. Like, <laughs> you know, but any other time they've completely just been on point with their aim and just killed him in one shot. But when it's the main bad guy, they just always miss, you know. 
he get, yeah, he gets away, or suddenly they can't fight, and right. this main bad guy it thwarts them, or gets them in a compromising position, or whatever. Oh my gosh, that is so true. The trope of the villain that can get away from this seemingly great protagonist who had no problems with anybody else, but... Yes. He can get away. Oh my gosh. And and then and there are just so many hero villain tropes like that. There's also the trope, now that you're on aiming, you got me thinking about like all of the villain lackeys or sidekicks that can't shoot and seem to miss the <laughs> yeah. heroes or hero all the time. Like the stormtroopers, I think, in Star Wars are famously like though they are world famous for not being able to hit anything. And now it's become such a thing that whenever somebody is doing a spoof of star Wars, or even in the, the Disney plus series, the Mandalorian, there were these two stormtroopers trying to shoot cans and they kept missing the cans. And it's a hilarious scene because you know, the, the they got these high tech laser guns and they can't hit anybody. You know, oh my so, gosh, that's amazing. And there's a yeah, and they're supposed to be soldiers and they can't hit anybody, but it's not just there, it's just about in every action movie, and it doesn't matter what the bad guys are in, they can be in a jet fighter with missiles and they still miss the good guy, right? They, they can, they can be, it can be a row of them, and they're all on a balcony shooting down at James Bond. And it's clear that any of them, if they all shoot at him at the same time, <laughs> he should get hit by something. But they all miss. And he kills them. And it's just hilarious. It's so true. That, yes. that shooting trope, it, it works for both sides. And you're totally right, too. Like, then you'll see James Bond, and he'll, and he'll with marksman-like accuracy, he'll shoot five guys on several different buildings, coming out of windows, driving across cars. And, I mean, everybody is getting shot with precision. Then, like you said, the main bad guy comes in, and Bond can't hit him. <laughs> or a main hero just yeah. can't shoot him. It's so true. It's so true. What about that villain trope of always revealing the plan? Like, oh, my gosh. I OK, there's a lot of villain ones we need to discuss. Yes, that is definitely. Yeah, it's like so instead <laughs> of like you spend all this time planning to just like really get this person and kill them. And like instead of just being like, great, you're in my sight and I'm going to shoot you point blank. You decide, let me just stop and talk to you. Like, <laughs> why? <laughs> it's so true. It's so true. And then what's even funnier about it, too, is that usually earlier in the movie, you will see this bad guy or this villain kill other people and not even think twice about it. Like, you know, he might be mad at a henchman and the henchman would be like, look, man, we couldn't get the hero. He got away. And, the, and then the bad guy would go, what? You stupid henchman. And he might kill them or choke <laughs> yeah. them or slap them around or beat them senseless. You know, 
know, he'll do all these bad things. And the purpose of that is to show, oh, yeah, this is a bad guy. Look how he kills his own men. And then you mean to tell me the the hero, he's got the hero captured. And now there's a more dilemma or there's a need to talk to this guy or there's a need to tell this guy all this stuff or I'm going to walk away and not watch you get killed. Like, it's just so weird. And like, again, the only exception or not the only, but one of the exceptions I can think of is the Saw movies when he kind of explains it. But that makes more sense with what that movie was. Yeah. But for normal purposes, it's just like, really? Like, this is suddenly when like you just your ego is so big that you have to tell the person you're about to kill your whole plan of why and what you're going to do after so that you're also giving them enough time to just get away. (laughs) Or get out of whatever you have them trapped in so that they can kill you first. (laughs) Yeah. And it's always just some trap where, you know, it's always a doable trap for the hero. Okay, we're going to strap you to this chair, but the chair is wooden and it's going to be breakable. And the ropes (laughs) are going to be tied as well so that you can get out and you can beat everybody up before we kill you. You know, it's just, it's funny because, but that's just so like, that is super tropey, man. Like the villain who explains the plan. And that's why whenever you see it not done that way you appreciated more like I think about Spider-Man Far From Home and I, I think I remember at the time when we reviewed that movie I said that maybe that that reveal scene ran too long or I may have I, I had like a small complaint about it but I like the scene overall because Jake Gyllenhaal just did an amazing job yeah but Now that I think about it, that was a very refreshing thing that they did there. Instead of him having Peter Parker trapped and revealing everything to Tom Holland, you know, revealing this plan to him, Tom Holland left. And he pulled off the, you know, the, the, the sheep's clothing, revealed himself as a wolf and his team of henchmen. And they talked amongst themselves about the plan and what they were trying to do. And then Peter kind of figured out the plan for himself, but he didn't need an explanation from Jake Gyllenhaal's yeah. uh, Mysterio to get that plan. And that is one of the few movies that avoided that trope because most of the time it's not like that at all. You, 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 the, the villain has to reveal his plan, you know, to the hero. No, that's so true, man. There's so many good villain tropes. Like there's the, there's also the one and it's mostly in horror movies, but it's in others too, where the villain is just walking at an either slow or normal pace but whoever it is that's running just somehow always gets caught. Like, oh, they're the clumsiest person ever, or they're just whatever it is. Like, always the walking killer villain just always ends up catching up to their victim who is trying relentlessly to get away. It's just ridiculous. That that is so true. Like this person will be walking so incredibly slow. And then it's it's just absurd sometimes when you'll have a person running and they'll go hide somewhere and then the and then the guy that was walking slow will already be there. 
Like he'll just. Right. How did you get here? Somehow. Yeah. How did you get it before me? Can you teleport? Can you like, <laughs> what, wh- why were, why was you, why was he able to cover that distance? Did he not, did he just take off running off camera and we just didn't see that really? He's a track runner off camera, but we just don't ever get to see that because. <laughs> right. <laughs> but yeah, they'll just wind up catching that person so quickly. Or like you said, there's a clumsy situation. They trip and fall or a car doesn't start. Oh, my God. The car not starting. Oh, oh my God. that's a good one. Yep. Oh, the car not starting in a stressful situation. <laughs> that is you know the worst. what? That- that goes for a lot of electronics. Cell phones not having signal when, when you right. really need them to have signal. Flashlight not working, like whatever it is. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It's always something like that. The flashlight's not working. There's no power in the house. So no, so no lights can be turned on. None. We got to walk in the dark and investigate the noise. Yep. <laughs> it's just oh man it's hilarious and it's funny because like you see these tropes all the time but what you appreciate is when they're done creatively i guess that's one thing i've always appreciated about like freddy krueger because the idea is is you are trapped in his dream so if he can't catch you it's because he's just toying with you if yeah if he is letting a character run away or hide or anything like that they're not really hiding from him because he created this whole world you're in his world you're in a dream world so you may be running away but you are not getting away from him and normally it's just a way for him to toy with people and that's what kind of made him even scarier because you know the person isn't falling because they're clumsy or the car isn't starting because it's not starting uh no this is not none of this is real and freddie is in complete control of this situation right now and, and i guess that's what always kind of made that's why he's so cool you know that that's why that makes him different, you know, from people like Jason yeah. and Michael Myers, where they're supposed to be human beings or just basically an undead human. And they walk and still get everywhere, no matter what, and right. disappear and reappear all the time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, so, that is true. Yep. So I guess we will switch gears um, and wrap this up by talking about just some of our fan responses, because... Man, we had a lot of good, some, good ones. Um, some really good uh, fan responses. So we wanted to uh, definitely highlight some of these. Uh, l- let's see if I can get to some of the ones. I'll start first and just uh, kind of go through some that I thought were really stand out. Oh, there was one. I remember she chimed in and she was kind of talking about like how unattractive men can get pretty girls. Where was that? Yeah. So yeah, Kristen said that. Yes. Yes. And what was exactly said was, and this was a great one. This was, I thought this was an excellent observation. I really like this one. 
and something I hadn't really thought about until she said it. But yeah, Kristen uh, chimed in on our chat and said, why is it that plus size men get to be romantically involved with beautiful women? But plus size women never get to be involved with a handsome man. And I hate to say it, but that is so true. Like I have seen every kind of man of every shape and size get the pretty girl. It doesn't matter what they look like. Mm -hmm. I've seen every kind of man. I mean, and I'm talking all kinds of from the the highest to the lowest of the attractive spectrum. Get the pretty (laughs) girl in the end. I've seen them triumph. But it's so true. It does not work that way for women. It doesn't. Yeah. And that's where we, yeah, sort of when I mentioned that, isn't it romantic movie earlier? This is kind of what made me think about that movie, because that's kind of the the premise of it is like it's all these cliches that are purposefully being put in the movie. But it's happening to Rebel Wilson, who is, you know, she's like she's plus size and all of this. And she gets the the really handsome guy and all these things. And that's literally the only movie where they do it. And they're doing it in a setting where they're making fun of all the tropes. So but any other movie like a normal rom-com or a movie that you're supposed to be like oh i love this i love the story i relate to this there's never the girl who is you know plus size that gets you know the attractive guy or whatever that you want to call it you know yeah it's so true and it, it and and i do think that that is one of those tropes I mean, that's a little problematic. And you can see where maybe sometimes you might have young girls or young women growing up thinking that they have to look a certain way because all they ever see, the the only people that ever seem to be happy is this certain type of woman. And it, it does suck that a little bit of that is out there. And of course, you know, you get old enough and you get to understand that movies are movies and sometimes you can put them in, 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 in their proper place. But even subconsciously, I think if we're constantly seeing that you got that this attractive woman is the one who gets the attractive guy and that is constant reinforcement. Yeah. So and you constantly get in that reinforcement that's got to subconsciously in a way at some point make you kind of think, well, and if you're single out there, it, it may lead to you thinking, well, am I not getting the guy because of my size? You know, if yeah. I looked more like Julia Roberts, if I looked more like Catherine Zeta-Jones or, you know, if I was like these women, would I be alone, you know? And, and, and I do think that can be problematic when we're showed that so much. And on the flip side of that, man, uh, shoot, uh, you know, we we feel confident because I've seen a man of every shape and size get the girl. So sometimes that makes us think, well, hell, I got a shot. 
You know, uh, a lot of men always think they have a shot. And I think subconsciously it's because of that. You know, they and sometimes that they may overstep their bounds or think that there was something there when there wasn't there. And, and, and it's true, like our society sometimes perpetuates certain messages. And if I'm always shown that no matter what, I can get the girl because of whatever, because I'm the underdog or because I'm true to myself, whatever the case may be. But then females aren't shown that same thing very often. It just leads to certain ideals being perpetuated. And I think it's important to say that. Yeah. And I totally agree because, um, yeah, I mean, it is actually very problematic and it, it comes with a couple of other tropes that are similar that really bother me too, because even when it's like the underdog girl or the girl who's not popular or whatever, or the quote unquote unattractive girl that ends up getting the guy, it's either one, usually after she's already had like the makeover (laughs) where, Mm -hmm. you know, or it's just one of those where clearly the girl from the beginning is just extremely beautiful, but they just throw her in like baggy clothing (laughs) and put glasses on her and put her hair up or something. And then like, that's what's unattractive. And I'm like, clearly like, I think of she's all that mostly for this. Cause I'm like, this girl is clearly like way prettier than almost all the other girls in this movie, like without the makeover. But just, it's, it's just one of those where why does like her face looks exactly the same after she has the makeover. She just has no glasses on, you know? And I'm just like, what is that? And so that's, That is a thing. And I think you're totally right, because I mean, speaking as, you know, a girl who obviously I love rom-coms, as we've talked about a lot throughout this episode, um, it really can be a problem because when you're younger and you're impressionable and you're watching these things, you feel like the only way I'm going to get that love story I want is if I look a certain way, you know, and that is a problem. And then, I mean... Speaking as somebody who I'm not like a supermodel thin person. And so that can cause a lot of problems when you're younger, making you think if you don't look a certain way, then you will not be worth somebody's time. And that is a problem. And that's a trope that needs to change for sure. And yeah, I think over the past couple of years, it's definitely been a little bit better than it used to be. But it's still a huge cliche. And also the cliche of, you know, the girl who is overweight, loses a ton of weight, and then she's like super hot and super thin and perfect. But at the same time, and I, we kind of talked about this with the America's Sweethearts episode too, where it's like, they just make the girl always dramatically overweight too. Like, it's just always yeah. such a drastic change when it's like, that's not everybody though either. Like... Not everybody, for one, wants to lose their weight. Some people are perfectly happy with how they look, even if they're considered overweight. But also, not everybody goes from that extreme of like, I'm 500 pounds and now I'm 110 pounds. Like, (laughs) that's unrealistic as well. And, you know, I just feel like there's such a stigma still on the whole fat shaming and the whole, that whole idea, because it's like, that's it's just not realistic and it's not healthy for girls to see those tropes and feel like, okay, so I either need to lose a ton of weight and look like this 
or I have to have looked like this from the beginning. And those are my only options. And it's like, or I mean, what if you can be the girl that you look how you look and you don't feel like you have to change? Like, where are those stories? (laughs) You know what I mean? So, yeah, yeah. You, we need more of those. We definitely do. And the funny thing is, is that um, all you have to do is go outside and you realize that that is not real life. I see women of all shapes and sizes with attractive guys. And that's not to say that the woman is not attractive. But I mean, they they pull guys. And I mean, th- there are beautiful women that are plus sized. That's not. Yeah. Um. That's not an unrealistic thing. Like, I mean, there are plus size models and they they make just as much money as some of the skinny ones. And they are not changing their size or anything like that. And, And so it is funny just how that has come. And I guess really uh, it's a byproduct of kind of a male dominated kind of industry. You know what I mean? So males are kind of dictating, well, this is the female I like. So this is the one who's going to get who my guy is going to get within the movie. And it's true. It It is kind of disingenuous to a female story. And I guess that's why we need more of that other side. Like you said, we need more of those stories of the plus size girl who has the the, the issues getting the guy, but she's the underdog, but she wins because that happens, too. You know, that happens, too. And there are a lot of women out there that can relate to that story and need to see that story too. And I mean, the guys, hell the guy, we get that story. I get the story of the plus size guy winning, you know, Paul Blart mall cop, you know, he's a mall cop. He rides around (laughs) and crashes into everything and stuff like that. And he can get the hot girl You know, and I've seen Adam Sandler get tons of hot girls. I've seen, you know, the list goes on and on. And these are not, none of these guys look like Chris Hemsworth, but they get the girls too. And I think uh, it's high time that we treated women the same way though i am happy with the influx of like strong female stories i'm seeing a lot of that like where women are strong females and stuff like that and that's good that definitely needs to keep happening but i do want to see more of those plus size stories and i do want to see more or at least not, and I don't, and I don't want it to feel disingenuous. You know what I mean? I don't want to see a, a movie about a plus size woman because she, because <laughs> you know, yeah. I don't need to see it because that's what it is. Look, she's plus size and she's winning. Yay. I don't want that, but I think it just needs to be a norm that it's okay that Represent this plus size woman wins. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, I don't think that needs to be the reason why she wins. She's plus size, so she wins. But why can't it be she's plus size, but she's smart or she's plus size, but she's still goal oriented and driven. And that's what the guy finds in her or sees her or he was with this one girl. But this one, she's, you know, she was more faithful. She's more supportive of his dreams. And so that's why she won. She doesn't have to win because she's plus size. That would feel disingenuous. But, but it may, you know, or maybe it's just not even a factor. 
Like, what if the whole right. movie just goes and it's a plus size woman and it's never even brought up? No issue of her weight or nothing like that is ever brought up. And she just has a story and she wins. She falls in love yeah. and that's it. And it never even has to be brought up. Right. Where's yeah. that story? And that's, you know? <laughs> and that's so true because it's also like, if you think about it, another trope is if there is a plus size woman in a movie, she's usually the comic relief. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, like, for yeah. instance, Melissa McCarthy. Yeah. You know, like Melissa McCarthy, she's actually very beautiful. I think she's gorgeous, but she's always the funny, silly, goofy, never really the, the main love interest in a movie type of thing. And, um, and also, like, I think about, for example, like, Queen Latifah. I love Queen Latifah. Like, if I could hang out oh, with yeah. one celebrity, like, it would be her. Like, she seems like the coolest person ever. But. And she's beautiful. She That's a good example. Very beautiful. beautiful. She's almost Very flawless, honestly. Yeah. Yes. And, yeah. but the thing is, I mean, I know she's had a few like rom com movies, but they usually lean more on the side of she's the comic relief instead of just the love interest. I mean, and you can be both and you should be both, but they don't really ever say like, you know what? We have this really great love story. I really want Queen Latifah for this. You know what I mean? Like they just don't really ever do that kind of thing. And, and I think that's also like (laughs) why, and why I see, I think more recently, it's been more of a thing. Like I love parks and rec, which you guys know. Um, Donna from Parks and Rec is my freaking hero because I love her because she's she's beautiful. You know, she is plus size, but she is the most confident person (laughs) and she knows it. She's like, no, I realize my worth. Like, I know I'm beautiful and I know that I am not thin. And she's totally comfortable with that. And I love that. And she pulls the guy. She pulls the attractive you know, guy, um, what's his name? Yeah. Keegan Michael Key is her husband. Like she pulls the attractive guy because she's just a beautiful person and she is beautiful. Even if she is plus sized, she just happens to be plus sized, you know? And, but she's got that confidence of like, this is who I am, but this is also why people love me, <laughs> you know, because I am confident in who I am. And those are the stories that I love. Because Donna is like, she's the real deal. Like, I love Donna so much. And that's why, that's why. Because I love characters where it's those female, the female that's like not your run of the mill, like what people usually cast as your typical lead. But she is completely comfortable in her own skin. And she's a completely like, relevant character and she has a normal life and she has normal things happening and it doesn't have anything to do with her size. It just happens to be something that is what it is. But with Donna, she would be an amazing character regardless, just because of her personality. You know what I mean? Like, and those are the stories I love and that's what we need to see more of. 
Man, that's just such a great point. And yeah, I, I didn't think about the Donna character till you mentioned her. But yeah, that's a great example of a plus size woman. She was always pulling attractive guys. And yeah, she was super confident on the show and was a prominent character on that show. And yeah, that's true. We do uh, need more of that. And yeah, it, it is something that I think that Hollywood needs to be um, indicative of. And it's funny because it's just like there's just this infatuation with this certain type of woman or they've got to be pretty or they've got to be made up or they've got to have makeup on. Like I even hate it when we're watching a movie and the and these and it, like it's it could be a movie about a poor family and the family is supposed to be poor. But for some reason, the woman has time to make up to have her hair done and right. be made. <laughs> up and stuff like that and still looking cute and I'm like uh, aren't y'all supposed to be poor like how homeless? come <laughs> yeah like how in the world did you afford that hair <laughs> to get that hair that way right. how do you got this big hair and y'all are supposed to be poor you know it's true but it's that that infatuation with women have to look pretty to be appealing on screen and it's just not true and like it and like it's so that's that is a trope man like cuz even i can think about that like there'll be these situations where it'll be it would be impractical for a woman to be running anywhere or doing anything in high heels but yeah, they're they're at high heels doing all of this crazy stuff, walking on the top of buildings and running around doing action scenes in high heels because guys like women in heels, not because it's practical, not because this is something that a woman would do, but just because. I want to see a woman in heels, which is why in Birds of Prey, that was very refreshing when they took the heels off and were like, I can't fight in these stupid things. And Mm -hmm. (laughs) we're fighting without them. That was a small touch, but that was like those women saying it's stupid when you have us in heels doing all this stuff. Like, yep, you know, you know, totally true. because it's not and it's just little things like that, man, that, yeah, Hollywood uh, needs to definitely be made uh, more aware of. It's true. It's so true. Uh, but moving on to just uh, some of some of these other ones. And this was another funny one. Um uh, Tara uh, chimed in with this one and I thought that this was just kind of funny like she says I hate the cliche of people that never just say whatever it is they're going to say until something ridiculous ridiculous is happening so people will walk out of rooms mid conversation or mid argument and not realize that really important information or relay in human communication and and that human communication is not that terrible in real life. So um, and that's so true. Like you will see conversations interrupted constantly and it will be the character will be about to say something important, but then they'll hear a noise and the conversation doesn't get to happen or yes. you'll hear or 
<laughs> or and, and it just never is brought up again. And because we miss that information, something happens to the character. And then we find out later what that information was when it could have just been said. Oh, my uh, gosh. Right. It happens so much in so many movies or like she said, there'll be an argument and mid argument. Somebody will just leave the room and the argument is just unsettled. And it, and, it, right. and it does sort of feel like how many times does stuff like that really happen? OK, I'm just going to leave the room. OK. And then nothing is said ever. Again, the conversation is just over because somebody left the room. It's so true that that happens so often. Just unfinished conversations where important information is not relayed because because of some interruption. And, and in any other situation, normal people would just say it. And that is so true. So I thought that was a funny uh, trope that she pointed out. No, that's so true. And then the ones where it's like. They're like, hey, I have to tell you something. I'm like, no, no, let me tell you something first. And then they're like, okay, cool. Oh, what were you going to say? Oh, nothing. And they're like, oh, okay. Like, <laughs> like clearly, you know, that that was obviously a big deal, but they're just going to like play naive. Like they didn't know something important was about to be said. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Or, or, or can you explain it to me now? No, there's no time for that. Let's go over here and check out this thing. There's no time to explain. I think somebody mentioned that one too. Yeah. There's no time yes. to explain to you now. We <laughs> just got to go to the thing and see it. And clearly on the way to go see it, you could have explained something to them. I right. mean, yeah. <laughs> the way, you know, you got to take a look at this rather than just saying what it is. Uh, there's always this, you know, and I get it because, yes, you don't want the audience to know yet. You want the audience to be surprised. But that doesn't mean that a human being would really do this to another human being. So it's always funny when you see that. Cause you're like, okay, on the car ride to get to the thing he's talking about, this character had to see, they could have discussed this already, you know, yep. <laughs> but, but the, but the character can't know because we can't know. And sometimes that is just so obvious, you know? Yep. Totally. And um, were there any other ones that uh, stood out to you that you're seeing? I'm kind of scrolling through here, but yeah, were there any I'm that just through? There were a couple of them that I was like, "This is good." Um, let me see. Oh, an interesting one too that is true. Uh, they said no one ever stutters or struggles to find the right words without them having some sort of tick or condition. Um, that is true. Yeah. And it also just in general, like normal things that people do, like, oh, I have to like scratch my nose because it itches or I'm I have to sneeze or cough like <laughs> it just never happens in movies because there's no time for that. You got to tell a story and that's not something people want to see. Like, it's not realistic, but also like I get why they don't do it. It's just funny that it's like people seem very like robotic because they're not doing those things. <laughs> you know what I mean? That's so true. Like, yeah, that, that, that is definitely one where it's true. And that's just not real life either. You know, sometimes people do struggle to find words or sometimes people do. And it's funny because sometimes when it happens in movies, it just feels manufactured. 
Like it doesn't feel like a real person. Like sometimes it can feel like this is happening because it's supposed to happen right here. Not that this feels like it happened during an organic conversation. Like normally an awkward situation happens and you might get a character go, uh, uh. Uh, uh, but it's but but it's so true. It's done for comedic for a comedic beat or something like that. But it's not really because somebody would react like it doesn't feel real or genuine. It just feels like, oh, it was funny that this person stuttered or it was funny that this person couldn't say anything in that moment. So and, and you know, sometimes it works. But, yeah, I totally get where he's coming from with that one. Yeah. And um, a couple more that were funny was uh, somebody was saying when someone asks somebody out and they say, "Okay, I'm going to pick you up at this time. But then they don't ask for like a phone number or an address or anything. (laughs) That does happen a lot. (laughs) That's funny. Yeah. And it's funny because in the movie, they're just like, okay, well, you don't really need to see that. We can skip that part. But it's so true. Like, that is not how it happens. Like, Right. You would have to get a number and an address. You wouldn't just know where to pick somebody up. Uh, you know, now, if it's a pickup at a familiar restaurant or somewhere in the neighborhood that both people know, OK, or I'll meet you somewhere that usually works better. But it's so true. They'll just be like, yes, yeah, so I'll pick you up at eight. Yeah. And then you'll see the guy just walk off. And then the girl is all smiling like, oh, yeah, I got a date. And I'm like, <laughs> uh, no information was exchanged. Right. And there are some movies that make fun of that. And like they realize like, oh, wait, I didn't give you any information. But yeah, it's definitely a thing. And another one that was really funny was um, and I feel like I need to be friends with Joel Chavez because I feel like he always has good um, input. But he said Joel's great. Yeah. He said that the uh, the hero never has to wait for a cab. If he's in a hurry, there's always a cab passing by. Or if they're running away from a bad guy, there's always a train just about to leave and they're just able to get on that. And the bad guy is left standing on the platform. (laughs) That's very true, though. It's like, you know, like what kind of story is it, though, if it's like, okay, I had to wait 15 minutes for this cab to show up. Like, (laughs) but it's true. It's like this is conveniently. It's always just there because of their timing that they come out and they're looking for it, you know? Yeah, that is so true. Like, even if they're having an argument with another character and they're like, that's it, I'm leaving. Well, how are you going to get home? I brought you here. I'll take a cab. And then the guy runs outside. And I mean, like, (laughs) the guy is still chasing, the other character is still chasing after him. He goes outside, throws his hand up, and there's a taxi. You know, right. and he just gets and he just gets in. You know, I've seen so many kind of scenes like that. Or yeah, they just go outside, lift their arm up, and there's a taxi. And when you're really walking around in the city of New York and stuff like that, man, you don't see that. And the traffic is so slow or stopped up. But it seems like in a lot of New York movies, they just are conveniently there. They're just there waiting. Right. You know. You know, I mean, I'm I'm surprised there hasn't been a a comedy or a spoof on that. Like a cab drives up and goes uh, like like he goes like the cab drives up and then the guy goes, that was quick. And then the guy goes, well, you're the protagonist. So I was just waiting here for you. (laughs) You know, I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. But 
<laughs> it's true. He's right. Or right. like he said, the convenient train or, um, you know, a, a main character would get knocked off of a bridge, but there's a truck going by with a bed of sand and he falls into the truck of sand and right. he's saved. And the villain's like, oh, man, I almost had him. You know, it's true, man. It's <laughs> Watching him drive so off true. as he's like on yeah. the bridge or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, Joel, that was a great one. That was a uh, really good one. <laughs> well, um, as we near in the end of this, any other ones or any other uh, comments about cliches and tropes? No, I mean, I think I really I'm glad we did this topic because it's just yeah. there's one in almost every movie in some form or fashion. Um, and not maybe every movie, but most movies that people watch, like, and it's, it's just funny because like I said before, I have like a love hate with it because I, sometimes I really love that they have those tropes and I'm like, would I like this movie as much if it didn't? But other times I'm like, but why does it need that? You know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's such a fine line. So it's really just finding the right way to craft that cliche or trope into the movie to make it work. And sometimes that is just how an actor delivers a line, like Denzel Washington. Sometimes it's the placement of it, like if you're putting a twist to it or how far into the movie you're going to do this cliche or things like that, where or just kind of taking like doing a fresh take on a cliche that they have, like or turning it on its head to make it mean something else. The creative ways to do it are always the better ways I've found. Um and but I mean, they're fun. They can be so much fun. Like I fully well know going into some movies that it's going to have all the cliches, <laughs> but I still want to watch it because of that. Sometimes, sometimes in spite of it, sometimes because of it. And then there's other times where I'm like, I am not really in the mood to see another movie that's going to be about the exact same thing I've seen a million times. So it's really it's about mood. It's about how they do it. It's about. Um, the creativity with it, how you kind of make it your own if you're going to do those types of tropes. So it's interesting because I feel like somebody somewhere is always going to want it. So it's not like the only one I do think needs to actually fully be gotten rid of is the whole, you know, the plus size girl never really gets the guy. All the other ones, it's like people somewhere in the world are going to love it. <laughs> Even if it's like the slow walking villain or whatever it may be, I feel like somebody's going to love it somewhere. And so taking it out, they're going to be like, but why? It's so bad. It's great. It's kind of one of those things like Velocipaster where it's so bad. It's so great at the same time, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and I think that's, that's the point of it. And, and it's kind of fun. And it could be just little things like a couple other ones that the people said were, you know, people driving in a car, looking at each other and never looking at the road or somehow randomly in the middle of the day, they always have time to just do these things, even if they're in the middle of work and nobody cares, like just little things like that. <laughs> like, and I love it. Cause I'm like, that's so true. But then you're like, but the movie wouldn't be the same without it for some of them. And it's, it's just a really interesting take and it's a really, it's just a really interesting thing to discuss because I feel like movies are, I mean, the point of movies is to just kind of escape or just kind of have something that you relate to. And in whatever real reason you're looking for watching a movie you're watching, that cliche 
somehow or another is part of what's going to pull you into that. Like if you're used to the movie and you're familiar with what the movie's about, you're going to be watching it for that reason, because you know, it has that cliche that you're looking for in the moment that you want to watch it. Man, that was that that was very well said. I don't even know if I need to add anything to that. I think that was a very well said and a good way to end it. So yeah, you're gonna you're gonna end it. You're gonna have the last word today. That so. was my Jerry Springer final thought moment right there. <laughs> yeah, that was your final thought moment. And I don't wanna impede on that. I don't wanna follow that. So <laughs> I will not, because that was very well said. Um in the meantime, Cinefans, you can, uh, of course, check us out where most podcasts are podcasted. Um, we're on all types of different links and Spotify. We're on just about every form of media, iTunes, everything like that. So, of course, you can check us out on all of those different outlets. Uh, please hit us up on our Facebook, Cinema Slayers Podcast. Um, you know, where we, we always love your feedback. I hope you enjoy this episode and let us know if there are topics, things that you want us to discuss. Um, please let us know that. Of course, we are going to be continuing on with our essential watching. Uh, we've got a worst movie list now <laughs> in addition Ooh, to man. our Yes. In addition to our Cinefans list of movie uh, movies that we love, we've got our own personal list that Sterling, uh, Heather and myself are going through. But now we have added the worst movies list. So we will be having episodes about that, too. So thanks to everybody that chimed in and gave us a list of the terrible 10 so that we could tally that up. And a shout out to Sterling for putting all that together, because, I mean, we're talking hundreds of movies here and uh, rolling of the dice app and numbering them off and everything. So Sterling really put in a lot of work to kind of tally up the results of all that. So uh, just wanted to give a shout out to him for that. But yeah, so there's a lot to look forward to. We're going old school with a lot of these movies. We're going back in time and just seeing how we feel about these movies now, seeing how they've aged and talking about, do we agree with you guys? Do is it a bad movie? Is it a good movie? Should it be an essential movie? Et cetera, et cetera. So we hope you continue to join us in that ride and those things. And of course, we're also on Instagram, uh, cinema underscore slayers. So be sure to check us out and get back with us. We want to hear from you. And so that is going to wrap up this cliche episode. And with that, I'm going to say something that kind of sounds cliche when these things end. So why not end a cliche episode with a cliche? <laughs> we hope you had a good time. Thank you. And good night. Nice.